Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. And welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we will discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand when you might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast, which is being recorded in Atlanta for social distancing protocols. If you like this podcast, please subscribe in your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. So the topic for today is, should I obtain a professional accreditation or designation? Now, for those of you who have listened to the program for any length of time, i.e. this is not your first rodeo with us. Um, you know that I am a professional business appraiser, and that is um, that's how I make my living. And um, we are considered a profession generally within the accounting industry. There's a whole discussion as to whether or not appraisal is a separate industry. That's not the topic of today's podcast. So just sort of just sort of roll with that. Um, and and in my in my profession, as in many others, it's generally considered very important to obtain professional accreditations. That is, and they usually are reflected in some sequence of letters after your name. So I happen to hold the uh, Chartered Financial Analyst Charter or CFA. I happen to hold the Accredited Senior Appraiser or ASA and as well as the Accredited in business, business Appraisal Review, or ABAR. And, um, uh, you, you know, in our, in our world, um, there's sometimes discussion as to whether or not we have too many uh, accreditations. And I'm not going to get into that discussion, um, you know, but, but, but each credentialing organization would argue that they bring something different and unique to the table. And uh, I think I agree with that. Otherwise, I wouldn't hold as many designations uh, as I do. But I think this topic becomes particularly important and germane today because this current world that we're in, I think, is causing many of us to reflect upon our careers and our chosen field. And some of us may frankly have downtime. We may have been unfortunately laid off. We may be underutilized. We may be furloughed. Um, We may be taking paid vacation while we can. Uh, We may be taking some kind of leave, right? For for right now, whether desired or not, a lot more of us are finding ourselves with more time on our hands than uh, we had anticipated and perhaps would have liked. And one of the, I think, more clear options to productively use that time is to go out and obtain some sort of professional credential, something that tells the world that you have successfully studied some area of knowledge and at least to the satisfaction of the organization that offers a credential, 
you have you have mastered that knowledge set and then you're able to in effect carry their brand right um and it you know and it it may very well be a good thing to do and and you see this in all walks of 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 life um insurance has their own uh accreditations financial advisory has their own accreditations um there are a bunch of them in information technology software development project management um frankly you know engineering um uh entertainment the list goes on and on so you know it, it would be natural to kind of wonder well if i've kind of got this downtime or if i'm looking to make myself more marketable in what has clearly become a sharply more competitive job environment for most of us, one of the things you might do is explore whether or not a professional credential or accreditation or one that's in addition to one that you already have would, would be a good investment of your time and, and your resources. And so, uh, as it turns out, we have the opportunity to address a, a, a subject matter expert in this. And we're being joined by Brian Jones, who is the Chief Operating Officer of the National Association of Certified Valuation Analysts. And that is the credentialing organization that uh, um, is the host for my, my ABAR. Um, the National Association of Certified Valuation, Valuators and Analysts, or NACVA, is a global professional association that delivers training and certification programs in accounting and financial consulting fields such as business valuation, financial litigation, forensics, expert witnessing, forensic accounting, fraud risk management, mergers and acquisitions, business and intellectual property damages, fair value, healthcare consulting, and exit strategies. NACFA is a member of the Institute for Credentialing Excellence. NACFA's certified valuation analyst or CVA designation is the only valuation credential accredited by the National Commission for Certifying Agencies. I actually did not know that the accreditation body of the Institute for Credentialing Excellence. Other professional certifications offered by NACFA include the Master Analyst in Financial Forensics and the Accredited in Business Appraisal Review designation. Uh, Brian has been with NACFA and the Consultants Training Institute since 1997. He is a seasoned association executive with extensive professional experience in continuing professional education management, online distance learning, that's got to be a big deal right now. Business development, strategic planning, member recruitment and retention, and association governance. In his position, Brian balances internal management with external leadership, leading to healthy business development and greater visibility to support the growth and goals of the organizations. He is a member of the American Society of Association Executives and the Industry Advisory Council for Associated Luxury Hotels International. Brian is a past recipient of the Utah Business Magazine's 40 Under 40 Rising Stars, an Ambassador Award recipient from the Salt Lake Convention and Visitors Bureau, and holds a diploma from the International Olympic Committee for Volunteerism during the 19th Olympic Winter Games held in Salt Lake City. He holds a Bachelor of Behavioral Science in Public Communication from Hardin-Simmons University in Abilene, Texas, and was formerly employed as a loan executive for the United Way of Salt Lake City, public relations specialist for Visit Salt Lake, director of advertising and exhibits for the American Association of Marriage and Family Therapists, and as an account executive for Utility Data Institute Data and Directories, Platts McGraw-Hill Financial. Most interestingly, 
outside of his profession, Brian is an accomplished stage actor who thrives on learning and challenging himself to learn and new different things and learn, learn new and different things. He loves nature, camping, outdoor adventures and travel every chance he gets. So Salt Lake's a great way to enjoy that. He also really loves people and making a positive impact in the lives of others. Brian Jones, welcome to the program. Hi, Mike. Thank you for having me. So, yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about all this credential thing, but but I want to talk about being an accomplished stage actor. So, what what kind of what kind of productions do you do? Are you a Shakespearean actor? Are you <laughs> something else? Yeah, I'm showing my ignorance. I don't know what kind of actors there are. So, no, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> what, what what do you so what what do you what do you act in, or what have you acted in? Sure. Well, I've had the great fortune to be on a number of uh, professional stages in Salt Lake City. Uh, mainly uh, comedic or dramatic. Um, I have done some musical work, but uh, I love singing, grew up singing in church, but singing for the theater and the stage is completely different than singing in church. Uh, Shakespearean acting um, requires a whole other set of training and skill. Uh, I have not had an opportunity to to do uh, those types of shows, but mainly um, some Pulitzer Prize winning plays, some you might know of, um, uh, Soldier's Play, a series of plays by August Wilson, um, Jitney, uh, Fences. Um, also, uh, uh, I actually was in a musical once uh, that was based on the life of Tony Kuchar, who wrote the well-known um, Angels in America uh, the show Caroline or Change, which is a somewhat autobiographical uh, play about him growing up in Louisiana. But I've, I've enjoyed uh, the opportunities that I've gotten to be on stage in Salt Lake. It's a nice balance from uh, the very intense and busy and hectic uh, professional career that I have. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And do you get a chance to do it now? Still, or are you too busy? Well, actually, the whole world of theater is changing in this COVID un- oh, of course. universe. Yeah, in fact, um, Salt Lake is pioneering, like most theater companies across the nation, as to how they adapt to rehearsals with social distancing, how they produce shows with social distancing, how they even seat in the audience with social distancing. Uh, I think it's still yet to be determined how uh, these theater companies will evolve to address, you know, safety and, and health concerns for the cast and crew and, and, and audience members. Um, but fortunately, currently, um, most of the productions that I've been aware of uh, are going to a virtual platform like most. And so it, it's an evolving medium. Uh, it'll be quite interesting to see how it all shakes out over these next several weeks and months. I'm i I'm a semi-professional rock musician myself and we're ah. facing we're facing, of course, similar issues. And you know, here in Georgia, we've been very aggressive um, in trying to open up the economy and trying to get back to normal. It's it's debatable whether that was wise, but right. it happened. And 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 the um, uh, but I'm experiencing the same thing as you, as I have not had an opportunity to perform in front of people really since uh, since mid March and. And, and, and the problem is I'm a keyboard player and the problem okay. with keyboard players, everybody assumes that then, you know, everything about technology and, <laughs> and setting all that stuff up and, you know, whether you're rehearsing for theater or for music, 
you know, it's the same thing to kind of create this, this virtual presence that everything sort of works well and there's enough bandwidth to go around. Right. Uh, it ain't easy. And, no, yeah. um, I just don't have the time to do it, unfortunately, but I, I appreciate those who, who do and are making the effort to do so. Yeah. So let's, um, let's, let's, ju- let's jump into this. So as, as fascinated as people are about my, uh, my, my <laughs> fantastic musical career, musical career um, let, let's start off. What, what is a professional certification and accreditation? And actually let's start there. Is there a difference between a certification and an accreditation? Those, you, those words are generally used interchangeably. They are obviously quite similar. Um, certification generally refers to um, training um, and the, um, the uh, successful achievement or passing of some assessment exam or case studies in a specific field or area. Whereas accreditation generally refers to um, those services, but that apply uh, with standards or a holding in a body or an individual, uh, not only to specific skills, but also to uh, standards that govern over that specific area of work. Uh, so they're, they're generally interchangeable. Um, they do refer to separate things. Um, certification is generally on an individual basis where accreditation is on an organizational basis, but it kind of depends on the organization themselves, you know, how they um, term their their credentialing program or accrediting program. Um, So they're similar, a little different, uh, but there's certainly a lot of overlap. Okay. Yeah, I thought there might be a subtle difference, but you're right. They're often used interchangeably. Um, But I suspected there might be there might be a subtle difference because ultimately, I don't know that I've ever heard of a certification in the business valuation context. Um, and, and therefore, um, although there is a certified valuation analyst, so mm-hmm. I guess there he shows what I know. <laughs> um, now the, these accreditate, these, these uh, credentials, mm-hmm. the, the notion of being credentialed, how is that different from having a permit or a license? So permits or licenses are generally um, where there's a, a, a legal body or a, a regulatory body that oversees um, the, the health of the public, for example. Um, um, massage therapists have certain health uh, criteria. Doctors have certain health criteria. Um, you know, there's legal uh, concerns over, you know, providing services to the general public. So licenses or permits generally um, um, uh, assume that the individual has to achieve those from some governing body, a regulatory or state or local um, body to comply with those those, uh, policies to provide those services. So they're a little different than um, a certification which uh, may or may not uh, be a public service kind of role. And that would be the, a bit of the distinction between a license and a certification and an accreditation. Some folks have all of those uh, or, or some of those uh, credentials or licenses may straddle um, all three. For example, the CPA license um, has to be achieved by the state. And right. CPAs um, 
then may determine to specialize in business valuations. So they can earn a certification or an accreditation in a specialty area like business valuation. Um, and as a CPA, they have to uphold standards of their association, at least the AICPA, our organization as well, and others in the business valuation um, uh, community or profession have standards. And so those uh, individuals who hold the certification or accreditation um, then have to uphold standards for their accreditation or certification. And so there's the, there's a whole um, series of responsibilities that the individual uh, license holder uh, needing to comply with the regulatory body. Um, if they hold a certificate or a credential or an accreditation, uh, they then have to uphold the, that organization's standards if they exist. And so that would be sort of the lay of the land between a license and an accreditation and a credentialing program. And, and, and I infer from that that, in effect, there are certain professions where um, you need a permit or a license simply to be legally allowed to practice. Right. Right. So I guess, uh, you know, another one might be, um, um, I'm drawing a blank now, you know, a plumber, for example, typically needs a license. They may become accredited or a, a physician needs a license. Right. As you mentioned, but maybe they're accredited in certain Disciplines. other areas or, um, or a mm -hmm. financial advisor needs uh needs some sort of license from FINRA just to be in the business, but then they may seek some sort of accreditation for another purpose, which we'll, we'll get to in just a second. Okay. So, so why, if, if you don't, if you don't strictly need an accreditation to practice, for example, you know, in our field, you know, in business appraisal, you mm -hmm. generally don't need any kind of license. You don't require any letters after your name, no accre accreditation at all. Right. to practice um, and that may or may not be a strength or weakness of the industry of the profession you know why 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 would somebody then undertake that sure i think by an individual seeking um, an accreditation or a certification in a specific area of practice demonstrates to their potential pool of clients that they are differentiating themselves from others who practice in the area by seeking um, higher or, or higher education, continuing professional education um, in these areas. Um, not to say that someone who doesn't hold a certification or an accreditation isn't qualified, but, but those that seek an accreditation, uh, certainly demonstrating that they're wanting to have an, an uh, a more substantial body of knowledge, uh, more training, um, be held to a higher standard for um, renewing certifications by, by whatever means that organization may require that those credentials or accreditations need to be renewed. Um, generally, that's uh, through continuing education in some period of time. It also demonstrates to the general uh, community or audience that that uh, would be served by the service that um, the individual uh, is investing more in themselves and in their practice from a knowledge and a affiliation with an organization than, than not. And most accrediting and credentialing bodies have standards, which, which means that there is another level of 
uh, competence and assurance to the way those business practices are carried out and more independence in how the the analyst or the individual um, approaches the engagement, how they even, um, in our example, at least calculate values, um, how they uh, are very impartial to one specific way of doing things, but are required to consider a number of approaches to valuation um, and not just advocating even for uh, the client at least in the position of, of our industry, um, that the, the the analyst is advocating for the right value and not necessarily the value of what the client may want. And so further, um, the, the accomplishment of earning a credential um, can say with relation to the legal profession or, or the courts that there's some sense of um, awareness of how to how to practice within the legal uh, domain. And so to earn a certification or an accreditation really demonstrates to the, to the uh, marketplace that the individual um, is seeking higher education, continuing professional education, affiliating with a, a professional body, which may or may not have standards, which elevates uh, generally their um, or just, just differentiates them generally from their peers that are working in the same space. So in a lot of, in, in, in a way, it's, it sounds like that when you obtain a credential, you are in effect borrowing the brand mm-hmm. of the credentialing organization, right? I mean, yeah, and right. I think that's so important in our industry because in our profession, because there is no, there is no license. And you know, what we do is so specific it's it's very challenging. It's very challenging uh, for a potential client uh, to, frankly, to distinguish one person from another. Right? Mm-hmm. right. Um, it's it's hard enough to even get people to understand our work product after they've hired <laughs> us. Right. Uh, you know, getting them having them understand having them understand that 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 um, uh, there is some core body of knowledge and core set of professional practices to which one is is adhering um, at least at least gives the, the public a fighting chance right and in many cases too it, it is it's an opportunity to educate that client as to your point you know best practices to approaching whatever it is in that industry in our in our space it's, it's calculating value or calculating damages or testifying in court you know, that the individuals understand the federal rules of evidence, for example, um, and how that applies to testimony or how in assessing value for a company, you you just don't add up the value of the assets, the land, the building, um, the machinery or equipment to get a value. You you look really at more past and future um uh, financial benchmarks, as well as the state of the economy generally and the local economy, benchmarking against similar companies in an industry, uh, in a locale. And so in our example, at least, uh, it, it really allows that analyst to demonstrate to the client that there is there are best practices to approaching um, an engagement versus uh not to say that someone who doesn't hold an accreditation or, or credential uh, would not know that, but at least um, having that certification 
gives a sense of uh, what's generally accepted throughout a profession and the courts or regulatory bodies um, uh, to, to distinguish them from just a general practitioner. You know, Brian, I, I have to say, I really like how circumspect you are, and, and you're being very careful in a good way to to not to not say that a, that that just because a professional happens to hold a credential, that they're somehow better, right. stronger than somebody who does not. Right. And 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 I I wish I saw that more, frankly. You know, you see that. I think you see it a lot in my. In our world, I get asked a lot, um, you know, which is the best credential to get. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm thankful, actually, to my CFA charter because in, in the Code of Professional Conduct for the CFA Institute, mm-hmm. they're very clear that you're not supposed to go around beating your chest saying that I'm a CFA charter holder. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a direct violation of, of, of the Code of Conduct to do anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to, I want to tell you, make an observation. I think the way that you present that, um, in terms of helping somebody understand what a credential means and what it doesn't mean, I, I, I think that's really good. And I think it speaks very well of you and it speaks, speaks very well of the, the organization of which I'm a member. Yeah. Well, it's, I, from my perspective and, and even from the perspective of our association, and you touched on this earlier in the business valuation space, there are a lot of credentials. I want to say five or six, maybe more uh, certifications that generally have the same body of knowledge, um, generally have the same testing and examination requirements, and generally the same um, um, uh, uh, adherence to professional standards. Uh, what distinguishes, I think, the, the credentials and the organizations apart is how they serve their membership and perhaps how they serve the community of uh, the audience of those who need that service. I think that's really where, um, uh, as an individual seeking an accreditation or, or, or a certification, can sort of pair uh, between all the options, you know, which is the best uh, fit for them. But overall, um, the folks who are even practicing in a particular area certainly have a lot of experience or can um, and skill and, and, and may or may not even be following those best practices without a credential or certification. They just may be, you know, referring to and adopting those methodologies and approaches, um, but still practicing in, in that area, but not as a credential holder. So, yeah, and, let, and let's get into that because I think that's a very important point. Um, uh, the, the business appraisal profession is not unique in this regard, but you and I happen to be associated with it. So it's a ready example Right. You know, we, we do have a lot of competing, uh, competing credentials and there is ample opportunity to have so many letters after your name. It has to go on the second, the other side of the business <laughs> card. Right. Right. Um, but how do you generally speaking, and, and it, it may be, I'll let you answer this however you want, but I suspect it's easier to kind of step outside valuation, especially because you've been involved with so many other credentialing organizations. Mm-hmm. As a general, as a general rule, or is there a general kind of thought process or flow chart or something where, where somebody can think about, okay, that I'm going to go into this profession X, and there are three different credentials I can I can obtain. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you assess which one is the 
not the best, but which one is the appropriate one for that person to get at that particular point in time? Sure. Well, I think there are a couple of um, decision criteria that an individual can um, take into consideration. I think one of them would be the length of time that credential has been in in that particular market space. Um, Certainly, uh, a certification or an accrediting program that's been around for many decades um, over a certification program that's fairly new to the market would would uh, indicate at least um, it's perceived or or might even be true um, um, how 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 much is permeated in that market space. Um, so I think one would be the length of time uh, that the credential has been around as compared to others that one is considering. The other would be the criteria to earning that credential itself. How rigorous is it? Um, or is it just a, uh, you pay a fee to earn it? Or do you have to achieve or complete some metric of content education or examination? Um, and that also is, is, would be another consideration because where credentials may all, um, or sort of accreditation may all be in essence, doing the same or providing the same service, um, having a certification or an accreditation that actually requires uh, examination and or case study um, in that uh, profession or that, that area of service would distinguish those credentials versus just having to pay a fee to earn it. The other um, decision criteria I would suggest that people consider is how do you keep and maintain that credential? Um, is it just something you pay a fee for and you have it for the rest of your life? Or is it an accreditation or credential that requires some renewal um, for some period of time, two years, three years, five years? And what that renewal, what is required to renew that certification and keep it active? Generally, it's continuing education. And so um, that would be another consideration is, is what is what is the criteria for that uh, credential holder or accredited um, person Uh, needing to do to maintain that credential. Further, I would suggest that someone consider uh, making a decision about a credential as if that organization has standards that holds those accredited members or credential holders to another level of performance, not only for the client, but for the public. Um, And if there are those standards, that means that credential holder is considering more than just the job itself, but also providing that service in some ethical um, way. Uh, Another decision criteria, (laughs) and and I'll I'll maybe end with this one. No, please go ahead. Go ahead. Is whether or not that organization issuing the credential is accredited themselves. Hmm. Um, Like a college or university that is accredited by a third party, it demonstrates that that organization issuing um, degrees, diplomas, or accreditations themselves hold them to, are held to a higher standard in how they issue the credential, how they establish the uh, body of knowledge, how they establish testing processes, um, how they uh, communicate uh, and and make the process of earning a certification or credential transparent so that earning a credential and maintaining it isn't this cloak and daggers behind the scenes. Uh, No one knows how you get it. No one knows how you keep it. Uh, These organizations that accredit their credentialing programs or accreditation programs 
um, are demonstrating to the public and demonstrating to those credential holders that uh, all their practices and policies and issuing these um, light, these credentials um, is similar to those who are earning it themselves. They have to be renewed. They have to be transparent. They're held to a bit of a higher standard to serving the public, to serving the members, the credit, the credential holders themselves. And I think those would be some some fairly good uh, metrics to to determine, at least generally on the surface. Um, if I was looking for a credential, I would start by benchmarking those against each other in that way. Now, what about um, what about maybe looking at job postings as well? Maybe. Yeah, if I were looking at a credential, I'm now looking. If 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 my purpose was to make myself more marketable or maybe to increase my compensation, would, would a reasonable approach also be to review job postings to see how many listings in my chosen field um, uh, indicate that holding a particular credential is either preferable or mandatory for that particular job. Yes, that would actually be a great idea. Certainly, um, there's a lot of ways to to um, search for a particular position or role or duty in a company in an area. And um, with hiring practices of, of firms or companies or organizations, um, holding a credential generally um again, sets uh, those individuals apart as having achieved a higher level of knowledge and training um, and experience. Um, so I would agree to that, uh, looking at the job, the job market or the, yeah, the job market itself as a, a benchmark as to whether or not a credential would help to achieving um, a greater ability to be hired. So um, I, I want to address a question that uh, is probably going to seem very elementary to you, but I think it's also important, and I'll bet you've encountered this in a serious way. And that is um, uh, just because you're a member, you can you can join, for example, NACVA without actually earning, have, holding a credential, correct? Yes. And and it's it's important to understand. I mean, I, I suppose there are some organizations where if you by definition, if you join, then you get you do obtain a credential, but that's not necessarily that's not necessarily the case for a lot of these organizations. And uh, I suspect um, uh, it's important to make sure that you read the fine print to make sure you understand exactly what you're getting yourself into. Right, I totally agree. Um, organizations certainly um, sustain themselves like we do by having um, members who have earned a certain a credential. Um, that uh, are practitioners, meaning they 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 hold a credential credential, and uh, they're practicing in in the area of evaluation or so forth. Whereas there are other levels of membership where someone can affiliate with the organization to take advantage of the benefits that are extended, the publications, the discounts, the training, the access to uh, the directory, um, and other services that uh, certainly help individuals with um, with their practice that are they're not necessarily accredited or credentialed I think as a as a consumer um, if, if, if there is a professional who is uh, listing that they're a member of an organization 
I think it's it's necessary uh, to, for that consumer to look at what level of membership is being held. Is it actually just an, a membership that's an affiliation or a membership that holds with it an accreditation? Um, because they are two distinctly different things. Now, um, we, we've talked on, on, on we've talked about obtaining one particular credential. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Is is there value to is there value to um, is there value to pursuing multiple credentials? You know, as, as I mentioned, I've got uh, I've got ten letters after my name, all told. Um, is that overkill? Did I waste a bunch of time and money <laughs> in doing that? You know, I would say no to that, and 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 uh, we certainly, as you know, in our space, um, our 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 valuation analysts um, tend to hold a credential with a number of organizations, if not all of the organizations that issue a valuation credential, they have them all. And I think that might partly be uh, uh, an attest to a super intelligent, uh, someone who's seeking a lot of education, um, a lot of credibility. uh, And again, to distinguish oneself from, the general um, uh, marketplace for whom they may be competing with for uh, that work uh, by being an accredited or credentialed member with uh, multiple um, organizations in the space certainly uh, can say to that consumer is like, wow, this individual is, 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 is involved in, in multiple professional organizations, holds multiple certifications, and there's the assumption that they may have a, an, an, an increased level of knowledge or an increased level of experience. Um, I think it's an individual choice to make because holding multiple certifications certainly has uh, some, some uh, um, expense and cost around it, as well as time for renewing those certifications. But I can see value to it in our space, particularly there's a, a large number of CPAs who hold a business valuation credential. Um, The American Institute of CPAs is is one of the organizations that has uh, a a credential. NACVA um, is not a CPA organization, uh, mostly a business valuation organization with a lot of CPAs. And so uh, for a CPA, certainly they want to hold a credential with their organization from which their CPA is, is affiliated with. And another one being a valuation specific organization and another one being an appraisal organization, the American Society of Appraisers, because appraisal of of, of tangible assets is also very tied to the appraisal of intangible assets. Um, And so I can see, at least in our space, why someone having a CEPA license, but wanting to be in a specialized organization but then again, wanting to be affiliated with an organization that has appraisal of tangible assets, it, it makes sense. Um, so there are some benefits to it, uh, certainly. And again, it's, it's what distinguishes you uh, amongst your competition, you know, to have one or five or 10, like yeah. you might see in our space. It's a, it's a, it's a, I would say a branding and a marketing and a, and a, and uh, something that would make that individual a little more uh, unique and distinguished amongst this comp- their competition. 
<clears throat> so you touched on this a little bit, but I, I want to come back to it because I think it's very important. And uh, your peers at NACFA will be delighted because it, it is going to give you a chance to go into marketing mode, but that's okay. And, and that is, you know, other than simply obtaining the credential, um, do, do, do organizations that, that, that confer the credential, do they offer other benefits other than just simply having the letters after your name? They should, um, but not all do. Um, some organizations just provide the path to earn it and how to maintain it, uh, which, which includes the membership. Um, and they may do more along the lines of um, promoting the, uh, the service or the membership or the organization to those that who use the credentials to build the brand and esteem amongst the users of those services. Um, but as a professional association, um, certainly it's an individual um, uh, decision from the management or, or the governing boards of those organizations as to their business model and, and, and member support. Um, uh, the NACBA takes the position in that we wish to be a full service association and that we provide outstanding credentialing programs, um, a fairly achievable um, and not a difficult and stringent process to recertify that credential. But we pour a ton of resources reinvesting membership dues into education. Um, once you earn a credential um, or, or, an, or an accreditation, it's, 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 beholden upon that credential holder to learn everything they can about the, where they're practicing. And they can certainly get that from a number of places. But but as an association, I'm in ACVA, it's part of our core um, function to the, the membership, but to the profession at large. There's a lot to learn uh, and stay on top of from regulatory requirements to how to write a report to how to even specialize in, in doing evaluation for a gift and estate tax purpose or doing evaluation for a matrimonial uh, dispute or doing evaluation for fair value reporting um, and then staying on top of what the IRS requires and what the courts require and what your client might need. Um, and on top of that, you know, how do you build your practice? How do you, um, how do you distinguish yourself from a marketing and branding perspective? Um, so I, I think that each organization itself, you know, that's part of their, their DNA or, or what they choose to do for their members and the public. Uh, but what we are very, very aware of as an association, the NACBA, is that a credentialing program is awesome. Earning a credential is great. That's, that's, that's a, a, a fundamental um, demonstration to a body of knowledge. Uh, to practice in a certain area, but there's some way more to do and learn and stay on top of beyond just earning that credential. And we want our members to be successful in every regard. Uh, if they need a question or an answer or specializing in an area or, or how to write a report or how to comply with standards or even how to market my practice, you know, how do I, how do I get my brand out there and how do I distinguish myself from my competition? Um, we reinvest a lot of our of our member dues to provide full service to our members, publishing journals, blogs, um, producing um, podcasts and webcasts similar to this, um, so that our members have every stitch of information and support they need beyond just earning that certification. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think a, a feature that is also often overlooked 
is also interacting with other practitioners in your community. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I can't speak for any other industry, but generally speaking, I've found the field of business appraisal to be fairly collegial. Um, There are exceptions, but, Mm -hmm. you know, just just yesterday, I had an hour-long conversation with a friend of mine with a competing accounting firm. And, you know, he had a couple of questions about a particular kind of valuation that I probably do a lot more of than does he. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was happy to spend, you know, I was happy to spend 45 minutes an hour with him, helping him kind of think about the key issues and what would, you know, what, what is going to lead to a, a positive outcome for, for him and, and his client. And in, in, in other cases, you know, there are people that I'm able to call up because I don't know everything. And, and, <laughs> and there, there, are, there are people that are, that are smarter than I am in certain places. And it's, it's really great to be able to call somebody up. That's a fellow uh, credential holder and, and we'll talk it through. And, you know, even, even putting your name on the directory, I, I will tell you, I've actually gotten a couple of clients oh, that good. have found me through the member directory. That's awesome. <laughs> it does not happen often. <laughs> it happens. I would say once every couple of years or so, and so, look, since there's no marginal cost of doing it, it's really like free money, basically. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, that would so, be another benefit of, of, of membership. And, and, and I think another possible decision criteria is what is the organization doing to help drive business your way and build awareness for you as a provider of a service? Um, uh, I think that's right. And I think that's, frankly, I think among the, the business valuation organizations, uh, I think far and away, NACVA does the best job at that. Far and away, I mean, it's 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 not even close. And I don't even think, I don't think the other organizations would even bother to argue the point. It's such a big, <laughs> it's such a big gap. I think they just concede the point and say that's not part of their mission. Yeah, um, it is for us. And again, it goes back to being full service. We, it's a, it's not cheap as you well know, to yeah. take a credentialing program, pay your dues every year, recertify every three years. Um, and, 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 and feel uh, beholden or, or feel um, you have value with an organization. And so, which is why we go to such lengths at the NACVA to, to as I indicated, provide all the education possible and all the resources possible, but also to reinvest our dues to marketing and building brand um, recognition within the legal community, the business owners community, because those are the folks who are going to be calling you for work. <laughs> Yeah, to engage with you. And so we really, an organization, at least in my opinion, uh, has a, a responsibility to its credential holders and its members to serve them to their best ability and to be successful in their practice beyond just earning that credential. And uh, we really care about that at, at NACBA um, and, and to those, to those links of, of service and training and, uh, support that we extend. We are talking with Brian Jones, who is Chief Operating Officer of the National Association of Certified Evaluators and Evaluation Analysts. And um, we're talking about should the decision process around obtaining one or more professional accreditations or, or, or credentials. Um, now, one other thing I think to, to consider and, and, and keep in mind is that uh, Credentials. Once you once you obtain one, you don't have a constitutional right to hang on to it forever, do you? It's not. Oh. <laughs> it's not an asset, right? So, right. What, what, you know, 
how important are kind of, are the ongoing requirements to maintain that credential over time in the decision as to whether or not to obtain it? Well, I think it's um, certainly something to consider. You know, some crediting programs don't require yeah. anything to be renewed other than maybe an annual fee. Um, others are uh, require the credential or credit holder to uh, demonstrate some level of continuing education, um, which demonstrates to that consumer that uh, that individual is really on an ongoing basis um, seeking the latest uh, methods, approaches, uh, industry standards, or best practices uh, to, to, to provide that service. Because certainly in any industry, most industries, things change all the time. And continuing education demonstrates that that individual is keeping up to date on what's current in that profession. Um, I think it's, it's, that would be important to, to determine um, if you're looking at other credentials is what is the requirement to staying up to date uh, with what's happening in that in that industry. Now, um, only got time for a couple more questions before we uh, before we let you go here. But one I want to I want to address is uh, some credentialing programs will offer some sort of candidate status that I guess you can somehow publicize. For example, the the CFA Institute. Um, you know, once you pass a, or sorry, when you're preparing for an exam, you can, you can identify yourselves as, I got to remember this here. Uh, the CFA has three exams. So you can, uh, you can identify yourself as say a level one right. CFA candidate or level two. And then the, uh, the ASA accredited, uh, uh, sorry, um, American Society of Appraisers has something called an associate member right. before you get the full ASA. I don't think NACVA has anything like that, or, do. or do you? We do. We have a candidate status okay. for our credentials, yes. And what's the, what's the purpose of that? What's, what's the goal of that? Sure. It's like the chicken and egg concept. What comes yeah. first, the experience you know, or, or, or the, the credibility? Um, and I, I think it's a valuable service to provide um, because – Someone who's seeking an accreditation may qualify um, to for to earn the credential, but may not have the full experience to earn that credential. And so, to achieve or pass the uh, examination process um, and or the case study process uh, to qualify for a credential that may require also experience, uh, which is the case for the NACVA, both of our. Um, certifications in valuation and financial litigation. Similarly, with the ASA, uh, the American Society of Appraisers, um, there are some experience requirements to, to practicing in those areas. And so someone can take the test and pass, do the case study and pass, check all the boxes off for the educational requirements, but need to have work in the field in order to fully earn it. And it gives uh, an attest to that um, holder that, you know, they've achieved at least the, the, uh, the educational requirements and the, experience, the, the educational requirements for those certifications, but they're working towards the experience. Um, and I think it's really uh, helpful that uh, puts those individuals on the path to demonstrating that they're working hard at it, um, that they do uh, value uh, the, the, the 
uh, holding a credential or an accreditation. And um, in our case, too, it's been very, very helpful for um, graduate students and MBA students who are looking to get into the business valuation field, who don't have a, the CPA license or don't yet have experience um, in, in, in the field, but can certainly demonstrate knowledge and pass a test and write a case study and do a business valuation um, case study. Uh, and it gives them that, we, as we spoke about earlier, a leg up in competing for jobs um, to be able to say, hey, I've done this great program. I've passed these hard tests. You know, I'm, I want to specialize in this area. I'm working towards earning a, a credential. And it really, again, can distinguish um, some folks who don't have a lot of experience uh, yet that they're working towards it. And a lot of firms, uh, at least in our space, I know are, are genuinely looking for analysts to, to help grow their valuation or litigation practice. And to, to see someone that has a candidate or uh, uh, after their name, it lets them know, wow, this person is already invested in, in learning methodologies and approaches and holding themselves a little bit outside the, the general population to, um, uh, to work towards an accreditation. So for, from a hiring perspective too, uh, it might help those firms make a better decision about who they want to bring on board. Brian, this has been a good conversation and uh, I, I've, I've learned a bunch even about my own organization of which I'm a member. <laughs> so I want to thank you for coming on. Um, Thanks for inviting me. But unfortunately, unfortunately we can't just trap you here for, you know, interrogation <laughs> endlessly. So if, if somebody listening here, listening here is, has a question about, you know, credentialing in general, I don't know how many people in our, in, in the business valuation profession are, are listening, but, uh, there are probably people that are listening that are considering obtaining a credential, especially in this time when I think they may be more attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, would you be willing to entertain their questions? And if so, how could they best contact you? Absolutely. I'd, ref- I'd make a couple of recommendations. The National Commission for Credentialing Agencies, NCCA, uh, would be a great place to look. Um, also, the Institute of Credentialing Excellence, uh, which you mentioned earlier, uh, and ACVA is accredited by those organizations, but also the American National Standards Institute, ANSI, would be great places to look. Um, and ACVA happens to be accredited by both organizations, NCCA and ANSI. Um, but certainly, I'd be welcome, open to to entertaining questions. Um, you can reach me uh, through the nacva.com is our website. We have a headquarters directory. Um, I'm the only Brian on staff. So at the NACVA website, headquarters directory, you can certainly find me. Um, my name is Brian, a little differently spelled, B-R-I-E-N Jones. Brian Jones at nacva.com. Uh, or call me, 800-677-2009. I'd be happy to uh, answer as much questions as I can within our industry and without if someone's curious about uh, earning a, an accreditation or a certification. Well, thank you uh, so much for, uh, for joining us. This has been great. And um, that's going to wrap it up for today's program. Uh, I'd like to thank Brian Jones so much for joining us and sharing his expertise with us today. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next executive decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them.
Once again, this is Mike Blake. Our sponsor is Brady Ware and Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.